What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith from ESPN. This is former world champion boxer Showtime Sean Porter. Hey, this is Kobe Gibson. I'm Josh Creed. Hi, this is Joe Tate, voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And you're listening to Sports Power Talk. You listen to Sports Power Talk. And keep listening, or it'll be wham with the right hand. Ladies and gentlemen, live from the University of Akron, WZIP Sports presents... The best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. No question, with all due respect. This is Sports Power Talk. With the latest in sports news. Your Akron Zips are the 2022 MAC champions. The Zips have defeated the Kent State Electric Chicken. In-depth analysis. Astrology for women is equal to what Joe Rogan is for men. <laughs> have you ever tried DMT? <laughs> and of course, the hottest takes. He's just bad. Let me tear your labrum and you can go on the You know what? <laughs> it's only a game. Why you have to be mad? Just the same old Browns! You know, bro. Hard run pitch. I think that was textbook top cheese. Cleveland! This is for you! From the best that Ohio sports has to offer to the best of the Akron Zips. Now, it's time for SPT. Ladies and gentlemen from Northeast Ohio and beyond, you're listening to the best sports talk show there is, was, and ever will be. This is Sports Power Talk live from the University of Akron. My name is Jake Murren. I'll serve as your host of today's show. As always, though, I am joined by two analysts on the other side of the desk. First, we have a fellow baseball guy on the show. Unfortunately, no baseball on the docket for today's show, though. But fortunately, we are joined by Dev Lucas. What's up? And second, he's a fan of the black and yellow. Very unfortunate there, but he certainly brings some energy to the program. It's Casey Rush. No sore throats going to stop me today, boys. Let's do it. <laughs> feeling all right, Casey? How are you doing over there? Yeah, I'm feeling all right. I do have a sore throat, but it's way better than it was last night. I couldn't get a word out last night, but now I'm ready to talk. Let's do it. That's good all to hear. Right. Yeah, let's get into today's show, and there's a lot to get to in today's show. We'll talk about the NFL playoffs and today's AFC and NFC title games in the last 30 minutes of today's show. Before that, we'll discuss the NBA All-Star starters, some rule changes with that game, and a player on the Cavs that is likely going to divide WZIP sports. So you don't want to miss that. In half an hour, our focus shifts to the Zips women's basketball team. We'll talk about their competition in the Mid-American Conference. Also, we'll answer all of your hot mic questions from our Twitter page at WZIP Sports in that segment as well. Right now, though, let's not waste any time. And let's get to our Zips men's basketball team. I'll pose a huge question to our analysts in a matter of moments about this team. But let's start by breaking down their win over the Miami Redhawks on Tuesday as the Zips won 73-68. to It was a slow start for the Zips. Their first basket was four minutes into the game. Had 16 huge points off the bench for Akron. But, guys, I'll throw it to you first before we go to John Gross and his audio for the win. What do you think of this win over the Redhawks? I think it's a little scary for the Zips. They let Miami uh, score 52.4% from the field. Uh, I think it was a little too close for comfort, considering that Miami is the worst team in the MAC. They are one and seven in conference play to this point. So I just think it was a little scary for Akron, but they were able to pull it out. Yeah, as you mentioned before, we did. We went off to a slow start. We didn't score our first basket until like four minutes into the game. We weren't able to get into the paint to start things off. We had to become the Golden State Warriors for a little bit, but our shots weren't falling down 
one bit. We weren't calm, cool, nor collected. Miami did a great job at playing defense to start things off. When we weren't really able to break away from the Red Hawks' grasp until 10 seconds left when Xavier Castaneda hit the game-sealing free throws, we have to get off to a hot start from here on out. They led... We led every rebound category except for team rebounds, so we're actually doing better rebounding-wise. But we need to put up more of a fight for the ball when it comes to that. Yeah, I agree with you guys. And the largest lead for the Zips in this game was only six points, so it was a close game the entire time. And the offensive rebounds, like you said, Casey, and the hustle plays, especially near the end of the game, really sealed this win for Akron. Before we go further with this game, here's a very unpleased coach, John Gross, on the win. You know, obviously, I just characterized the win on the radio as fortunate. I guess the word that certainly comes to mind for me. Um, I thought we were outplayed. We were fortunate. I thought the first half, they were the toughest team. We lacked physicality in the first half. Uh, second half, I thought we were a little better with that. And then I just thought we made too many focused mistakes. You know, uh, whether it was trapping um, the post or, you know, different situations, recognizing personnel. You know, I just didn't think we were very sharp. Um, I thought our focus was really poor. Uh, the good news for us is we'll get a chance to uh, learn, obviously, from a win. But we're going to have to play a lot better. I'm aware of that, and hopefully the guys will be aware of that. I told them after the game, congrats on the win, and I'll reserve my comments until Thursday uh, after the day off. So we'll take a look at the film and see how we can get better. But had a hard time guarding them. They, they ran great stuff. Thought Trap put them really in a position to be successful. Um, and they made big shots. So give them a lot of credit. I, I think they're really hard to guard. They they run really high-quality offense. As I mentioned, gentlemen, a very unpleased head coach, John Gross, after that win over Miami. And like you said, Devin, just a win yeah. that you think going into it that the Zip should have had this one in the bag. 73-68, to 68, not an impressive win, but a performance that was impressive in this game. Xavier Castaneda, his second game in a row, back-to-back games, where he's scoring 32 points. What did you guys make of that performance out of him? Yeah, I think he is definitely a big deep threat for the Zips. He can score a lot, and I think it's very... I think he, when he's not there, the Zips struggle. We saw it in the Ball State game, and I think his presence is very important for Akron. Yeah, definitely. He he was one of the Zips that didn't get off to a hot start, but then he clawed his way back. He started hitting shots, and... He was able to get points on the board. And you could definitely tell from John Gross's voice that we both had some very sore throats at the end of that game, <laughs> and for good reason. Yeah. But Castaneda did, did very, very well that game, and hopefully he can carry it forward and we'll be able to bring back a back-to-back championship in the MAC. Yeah, I mean, that's the goal, right, for this team. 32 points, though, and an efficient 32 points at that. 50% shooting in this game for Xavier. And, of course, John Gross wasn't happy about the win, but he was happy about this performance. Here's him once again on Castaneda after the Miami of Ohio game. I thought Castaneda was just an absolute hombre. I mean, that dude was competitive, tough, made big shots, made plays when his team sensed the moment really well. Knew his team needed him to make a play or two when he did. Thought he was his competitive toughness was exceptional. Yeah, Xavier was great in that game against Miami. Another play that was great, Enrique Freeman. Not much on the scoring side for Enrique here, but 13 points, 8 rebounds. Was in foul trouble early on, 
in the game, which really costed him. But to me, the Zips defense really wasn't apparent in this game at all against Miami. Uh, Mikai Larry, who Mitch and I kind of warned you guys about last Sunday on Sports Power Talk, he went off 16 points, 6 for 14 shooting, 3 assists. And the Redhawks, they shot 52.2% from the floor and were 14 of 20 from the free throw line. And again, thankfully, those hustle plays near the end of the game for Akron was what won us the game. And Xavier Castaneda getting it done, efficiently scoring 32 and getting a lot of those points at the free throw line as well. Just huge things here for the Akron Zips. Let's go on, though, and talk about their game yesterday afternoon, their 83-77 to win over Ohio. Guys, what did you think of this matchup? Well, Akron once had a 15-point lead in this game, and I don't know, the Zips this season have really, like, scared me. There's a lot of games where they've been up, like, big with, like, by double digits with five minutes left to go in the game, and all of a sudden it's, like, a four-point game before you know it, and it's, like, what's going to happen? And I don't think if you're the defending top seed in the MAC, I don't know, it just, you should not be escaping this many games, I think. We saw them collapse earlier this season in the Ball State game, and they almost did it again to Ohio, quite frankly. So, I don't know, the team just has scared me this season. Yeah, I believe they took a 17-point lead going into halftime. It was 47-30. to 30. Their largest lead in the game was about 19 points, and then mm-hmm. they were outscored 47-36 to 36 in the mm-hmm. second half. And the Zips team, that is known for their defense, giving up 77 points in one game, not like them, very uncharacteristic, giving up 47 points in a one-half for them. Oof. Super uncharacteristic. Casey, what did you think of this game? Well, in the first half, I thought we were more calm, cool, and collected. We calmed down. Our shots were actually falling. We were more focused, as John Gross mentioned, after the Miami game. But it was actually really close at first. But it was to be expected because Akron was only like five-and-a-half-point favorites coming in. But Akron did find their rhythm in the latter parts of the first half. As you mentioned, we were up like, I think it was 17 in the up at halftime. Yep. We were up by 19 at the most. But we need to keep our turnovers down to a minimum. That's why we nearly blew this 19-point lead. As, as yeah. Devin mentioned, we were only up by four at one point in the second yeah. half. And it's just I can't believe this team always finds ways to collapse. It's unbelievable. Yeah, thankfully, even with the collapses here and there, we are still picking up the wins, which Mm -hmm. is important, especially in MAC play at this point in the season. But something about this game that can't go unnoticed, can't can't not be talked about, right, is Enrique Freeman. And the number 32, there's something about that number 32 (laughs) with this Akron Zips team. I mean, against Western Michigan, it was Xavier Castaneda, 32 points. Against Miami, it was Xavier Castaneda, 32 points. And then against Ohio, it was Enrique Freeman, 32 points. Lucky number 32, I guess, for this Akron Zips (laughs) basketball team. And let's hear from Enrique on the defensive scheme of, of Ohio and how he was able to put up such a big number. I think I think the last few games the defensive scheme has has taken other guys away, so we really like the last time they doubled me, so we were able to get Chandler more shots, X more shots, uh, different guys. Today they didn't decide to double, so I got a little bit more shots. I think we do a good job of facilitating based on the opponent's defensive scheme too. Yeah, the opponent's defensive scheme, and well said there from Enrique Freeman. You know, usually they're double teaming Enrique, then you saw Xavier go off for thirty-two back to back. 
Now they're doubling Xavier, and then you see Enrique go for 32. Who knows what the defensive scheme of teams playing against the Zips are going to be in the future, but I'll throw it to you guys. What would you think of Enrique's dominant show-out performance yesterday in the jar? I thought it was brilliant for him to score 32 points, and it seems like it's a good good issue to have or maybe a good thing for us to have and a good issue for the other teams to have is to have one threat that can score 30 points and another threat that can score 30 points on, on any given night. Yeah. Yeah, it just shows that no matter what you do, there's always going to be that one guy that do that does you win. And it turns out to be Castaneda for the two games prior, and then it turned out to be Enrique Freeman the last game. Yeah, Enrique Freeman, like I said before, he's able to get into the paint. He's able to get rebounds. And no matter what you do, there's always going to be that one person who's wound, wound up scoring all the points. And... Like you said, lucky number 32. Who knows? It might be, I don't care, it might be Hankerson the next game. It could be Castaneda the next game. Heck, it could be Sammy Hunter the next game. You never know. No matter what you do, there's going to be one te- There's going to be one player that ends up scoring all the points for the Zips, and that's how you're going to lose. It's amazing. Yeah, I'd be surprised if it was Hankerson or Hunter, but Xavier and Enrique just putting up 32 three games in a row, it's insane to see out of this Akron Zips basketball team and it really questions what opposing defenses should do against the Akron Zips. Who should they double-team? Because whoever they double-team, the other guy is going to go out there and put up 30 on them. Or at least that's been the recent yeah. trend, right? Yeah. So looking at the future and these Mac play games for the Akron Zips, what should defenses do, guys? What should they do? Should they double-team one player, the other player, mix and match? What do you think is the best way to beat this team right now on their six-game winning streak? I'm going to be honest. I... I don't know who they should double team there. It just seems like no matter who you you double team, you're still going to have someone giving up like 30 points. So, I don't right. know. Casey, do you have the answer cuz I certainly don't. Yeah, I don't really have any answers either. It doesn't matter if you if you double team Castaneda, Enrique Freeman's going to score all over you. If you double team on Freeman, then Castaneda's going to be scoring all over you. I have no options. You might have to double team them both. I don't I don't really know how how I can help you there, but but that means you got three guys that's going to be scoring all the points. I right. I can't help you on that front. Yeah, and I if can't. they double team both those players, then sure I could see Sammy Hunter or Trenton Hakerson scoring thirty two, <laughs> like you said. So yeah, it could very well be those players. So let's look ahead in Mac play for this Zips team, and they play at Buffalo on Tuesday. The Zips are three and three on the road, but again, riding that six game winning streak. Buffalo, they're ten and eleven, four and four in Mac play. They have lost four of their last six games. Games. What do you guys think about this matchup against the Bulls? It's going to depend on how the Zips defense plays, I think. The Bulls scored 91 points on Ball State at Ball State. They also scored 100 on BG about a week from last Tuesday. And the Zips have been giving up a lot of points on defense. Buffalo is currently averaging 80 points a game to Akron 72. So if Akron can play some defense, I could see them winning. But if they've been if they if the defensive trend continues how they've played these last two games, I think Buffalo might take it, to be honest. Yeah, because right now Buffalo is thirtieth in the country in terms of points per game, but we have but we are twenty sixth in the country when it terms to when it comes to points against per game. Our shots need to fall and they need to fall fast. We can't get off to another slow start like we did these last couple games. Now both teams can out rebound one another any given night, so we got to make sure that we are going straight for the ball and, no, and nothing else. 
We need to make sure we're on the winning end of those rebounds. We are not the Warriors, so stop trying to become the Warriors. Don't get three happy. Just stay calm, cool, and collected. Just focus on the ball. Just focus on the ball. Get your rebounds. Focus on the rim, and you should be just fine. Yeah, and I think getting off to a hot start is not only important for the Zips here in this game, but also because it is on the road. And this team does not play all that well on the road. Buffalo, they're a great team. They're good on offense, like you said, Devin, but they also get very streaky at times. Mm -hmm. You can't allow that to happen, and they're led by Curtis Jones, who averages 15.3 points per game. And while they are, you know, four and six, or four and two, two and four in their last six games, excuse me, they've lost four of their last six games. They're coming off of a narrow 74 to 68 loss to Kent State on Friday. And of course, Kent State being the number one team in the MAC. So they're being competitive even in losing efforts. It's not an easy win. The 10 and 11 record for the Buffalo Bulls is a deceiving record. And ESPN Analytics even gives Buffalo a 58.1% chance to win this game. So Akron being the underdog here, do you guys think Akron ends up pulling this one out or do you give it to Buffalo? I think, like I said, I think it's going to come come down to how the defense plays. If the defense plays well, Akron's going to win. If the defense plays how they played these last two games, I don't know. I think Buffalo would win it. Yeah, going off your point, Devin, not only do we have to get not only do we have to get many rebounds and focus on defense, we have to take care of the ball. Mm-hmm. We've been we got we gave away the ball so many times these last two games and we have to make sure that we have less butterfingers and going up to the rim and getting points. Like I said, getting off to a hot start. We got to make, make sure our shots fall through the hoop and fast. We got to get off to a hot start, and that's how we're going to beat the Bulls. But I could definitely see this going either way. Yeah. Yeah, I could see it going either way, but they're on a six-game winning streak for a reason. And yes, it, the way we're talking about this team makes it sound like they're not the second team in the MAC right now. You know, it, it, we're making it sound like they're further down the standings when, in reality, they're not. And it's because they're coming off of two wins, but two ugly wins and uncharacteristic wins when our defense isn't really showing out to their fullest capability and our offense is going off, whether that be Xavier Castaneda or Enrique Freeman. I like the, the Akron Zips on the road here against Buffalo, riding that six-game winning streak into their rivalry game this Friday at the JAR. And usually, you know, when there's home games here, at the University of Akron, we always say, jam the jar, jam the jar, be at the jar. I don't think we have to say that for this game on Friday. No. I think this is going to be a very full-capacity game, both home and away. Crowds are going to be there. Of course, it is the Kent State game this Friday against the Electric Chickens, where <laughs> yes. Akron is 11-0 at home. Kent State, though, what do you think about the Golden Flashes? They stand atop the MAC right now, but Akron with a chance to take that number one seed. Uh, Kent looks really good this year. They were very competitive early on this season, mm-hmm. and they are averaging over 75 points a game. It's like, again, it's going to come down to how Akron's defense plays. Carey has, is averaging 17.3 points per game. So we'll see how Akron plays in that game, but Kent does look pretty good this season. Here's the fascinating thing about these two teams. The, they are both equally as good as one another. This is where we need the Zips to perform at their best Mm -hmm. because we haven't been doing that these last couple games. But this is an electric chickens team that's looking for revenge, and they've shown it so far this season, being the number one seed in the MAC. 
A familiar name coming back. Deb mentioned it. It's Sincere Carey. He was the player of the year in the MAC last year, and we did end up grinding him down to a halt mm. in the MAC championship game. We need to do that again. And you also have to make sure that Malik Jacobs or Marine Thomas don't go off on a hot streak themselves. We have to out-rebound them and box out. I've been saying this in all my Sports Power Talk appearances. Box out, box out, box out. That's all you have to do. Now, Kent's in the top 25 when it comes to steals per game, so we have to take care of the ball like I mentioned before, and we have to be aware of our surroundings. We cannot lose this game because of some costly mistakes. I think the the blueprint is there, guys, right? I mean, the blueprint is set. We beat them. Last year in the MAC championship game, where sincere sincere Carey was ice cold, we yes. made sincere Carey go ice cold in that game, and I think that's a key for this game on Friday as well. And if you look at Kent State, they are a very impressive team this year. They're seventeen and four for a reason, seven and one in MAC play. They've won eleven of their last twelve games, and that only loss coming to NIU on Tuesday. A lot of people making jokes on Kent State for losing that game to the Huskies. And that only loss, I mean, it's because Northern Illinois, they're 8-13, and right? They're 4-4 and in MAC play. They beat Kent State 86-76, to so the win was by double digits. But this is where things get interesting. In that game, Northern Illinois were led by David Coit. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that name right, but David Coit... <laughs> You guys want to take a guess at how many points he scored in that game? Uh, 36. 30. There's a theme here, guys. You guys were both wrong. Oh, it's 32. 32. Oh, my God. God. There's something to this. We can't stay away from that number for some reason. There has to be something to this. He scored 32 points against Kent State that night, and Northern Illinois won by 10. So do the the Akron Zips need a (laughs) 32-point performance? To yeah. beat Kent State on Friday. There Evidently, we do. There you go. I don't know. Xavier Castaneda. It doesn't matter. It doesn't Ricky matter Freeman. if it's Castaneda, <laughs> Freeman, or <Anyone. laughs> Hankerson, Hunter. I don't care. We need someone to score 32, and then we'll be in good shape. That's what needs to happen. I might be making a leap here, but I think it makes sense. And seeing that 32 number, I was just like, yeah, of course I'm going to bring that up on air. Of course I'm going to say that the Zips, as long as one player scores 32 on Friday, we'll win. <laughs> That's all we need. But, no, in reality, Sincere Carey, we do have to stop him. They've had a lot of narrow wins in their recent stretch of games, including a three-point win over Ball State where Sincere Carey <laughs> had to score 31 for the Electric Chickens to escape. And if the if the Zips don't let Carey beat them, if they don't let that one player beat them that night, especially on the offensive side of the ball, I think the Zips win this one. And again, yeah. ESPN Analytics gives Kent State a 52.8% chance to win. Akron, underdog at home against the best team in the MAC, their rival in Kent State. I mean, you can't sell a game better than that, especially when you look at last year and see what happened in the championship game. Guys, this is a popcorn-type event here. Ooh. Kent yeah. State, Akron. Give me a prediction, though. Who do you think wins this game? Uh, I think Akron's going to win it. I think they're going to shut down Carey, and I think we're going to see an amazing performance out of Castaneda or Freeman. Yeah, it's required by law here for me to say that Akron's going to win this. We still have to stop Carey, Jacobs, and Thomas. we got to stop all three of these guys, and if we do, we're in good shape. And we're really good at home, too. Oh, yes, we are. 11-0 at home. I see the Zips riding a seven-game win streak into this game. Mm -hmm. I like the Zips at home. Our student section is not going to 
uh, let the, the Kent State play to their to their you know potential. I know you're wild <laughs> in that student section. I've heard stories, Casey. Yes. I've heard stories. <laughs> yeah, stories that bring I the wish were never told, but <laughs> not, okay. So the well, story not as bad as the some of the other fans in the student section, I guess. But hey, well, okay. See. Let's bring the one story to air because it. It's it's air friendly. We can, we can talk about it, right? Um, you were at a game. I think it was against the Miami Redhawks on Tuesday. Yeah, the one where I started to lose my voice. Sure. <laughs> and Logan Congrove and Alex Henry of WZIP Sports were also at that event with you at that game. Absolutely. And I think it was Logan who told me this story where you took off your glasses pointed them at the ref and said, hey, ref, you th- I think you need these or something along those lines. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. Um, yeah, I always it's like it's like in school where I where people ask me to borrow. Hey, can I borrow a pencil? I'm like, yeah, sure. But I want it back at the end of the class. I always clean off my glasses at the at the middle of the game and be like, hey, refs, my glasses are free, but I want them back by the end of the game because I can't see anything without them. Yeah, that's great. I, I definitely need to experience a Casey Rush men's or women's zips basketball game by the time I I get on out of here. Yeah, that's great to hear, and I do think the Akron Zips win this game against Kent State. The real question is, does somebody score 32? Is that going to happen? I hope so. It's possible, yeah. Keep the meme going. Keep the meme going. That'd be great, but I think they have to do it against Buffalo, too, so that way it's four straight. I don't think it happens. I think it's more of a balanced attack. I think, you know, Enrique, Xavier, they they might both be in... uh, like the 20-point area, but I don't expect a 32-point game out of either men against Kent State. We'll see, though. We'll see. It'd be great. I will laugh if that happens again. (laughs) Yeah, it would be great. Before we go to break, I want to have this discussion around this men's basketball team, and I was really, really looking forward to this discussion here on Sports Power Talk because we had it in Slight's last week's show with Logan Congrove. I posed this question out of the blue. He gave me a response. I'll play that for you in a minute, but the question is... Who's the most valuable player on this Zips men's basketball team? One, Enrique Freeman, and two, Xavier Castaneda. So without further ado, this is the question that I posed Logan Congrove on last week's show. Has kind of taken over that role, especially on the offensive end, but being that number one guy for this Zips team. Absolutely. Although I don't think that I would say Enrique Freeman is completely out of the question I would say right now, the most beneficial player for the Akron Zips is Xavier Castaneda. Enrique, like you said, tough stretch of games recently, especially with the six-point performance against Western Michigan. But don't leave out that he still had 11 rebounds, which for a forward, and on the bigger side, a taller forward, that's okay. That's He's doing his job, whether it's on the, the point side or on the rebound side. Getting boards is just as important as scoring points. So I'm not totally discrediting Enrique Freeman, but I would say right now Xavier Castaneda is more valuable to the Akron Zips. So Logan Congrove, last week's show on Sports Power Talk, saying that Xavier is the most beneficial player for the Akron Zips and that Xavier is more valuable than Enrique Freeman for the Akron Zips. Obviously, he did give credit where it is due to Enrique, and that was before he went off for 32 points, but I thought I would include that. I have my own thoughts, but I want to go to you guys. What do you think, Enrique or Xavier? I think Xavier, he... Enrique can score points and he gets rebounds and he go in the paint, but Xavier can hit free throws while Enrique, it doesn't seem like he's really a free throw shooter. He's he's never consistent at the line. Xavier's always consistent at line. I think you I think Xavier's more valuable. Interesting. Agreeing with Congrove. 
Yeah, Casey? to me, to me, it's going to be the guy who scores thirty-two points a game the fastest and the most consistent. But in all honesty, I think it's Enrique Freeman. It's he is the more well-rounded player. Like Castaneda, he's our three-point shooter. Yeah, he's going to be our consistent shooter. But Enrique Freeman is able to get into the paint more often. He out-rebounds the entire team. He has better defense than anyone else on the team because he's able to get up to the paint, get up to the hoop, get rebounds. And everybody should be scared to face Enrique, especially if it's Enrique Freeman versus the entire versus everybody else on the Akron Zips roster. Yeah, I would definitely be scared to face him. Yeah, I would be too. And before I give my answer, because I, of course, do agree with one of you because you guys disagreed, I want to play this clip from Coach John Gross on Enrique and Castaneda's offensive production lately in games. I think it's very telling, and I think it's hard to answer this question because of what he says. Here is Coach Gross one final time. Castaneda goes 32-32 in back-to-back games. They're doubling Enrique. They're sending multiple bodies at him. We're throwing it out and getting not only X, but he benefited probably the most, but other guys as well. Really open, easy shots, and that was the other team's game plan. You go to today. Today they're doubling Castaneda on every pick and roll. They're face guarding him off the ball, and you know we were able to make them pay by the fact that they decided to do that with him and not Freeman. So now we're going inside to Freeman. So kudos to our guys because I don't necessarily think it's so much that, hey, Enrique didn't have it offensively the previous two games or X didn't have it tonight offensively. I think it's more them playing the game the right way, taking advantage of what's there, schemes, coverages. Yeah, I think that's a great clip from John Gross because it really just depends what player gets double teamed in any given game. And you see what happens when one player gets double teamed over the other. The other player goes off for 32. And in future games, it might not be to that extent, but it does tell true when opposing defenses play one player stronger, the other player is going to be more successful that night. But ultimately, I do agree with you, Casey. I do go with Enrique Freeman. He averages a double-double this season. He can get in foul trouble too much, and that's the one thing that I don't like about Enrique Freeman, and he's working on that. But he's efficient, and he's reliable, and I just think he is just barely more reliable than Xavier Castaneda. Castaneda does average over 20 points per game. He gets a ton of points at the free throw line, which is huge. I just think Castaneda is a little one-dimensional. Yeah. Just a little bit. I don't like to see him averaging 3.2 assists per game as a guard. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see that number go up. He is a great scorer. He can score at the free throw line. He can get fouls called on him. He can drive through the hoop. He can shoot the three. I just think that's all he's got to his game. He's an offensive juggernaut, but on the defensive end and just the reliability out of him, that's where I side with Enrique Freeman more on this debate. But when it comes to who wins the MVP of the MAC tournament or if the Zips win the tournament or the game, like that is a very hard question to answer because it really just depends on the defensive scheme against the Zips that game and who goes off in that particular game. Any last thoughts on that before we go to break, guys? Uh yeah, I I don't know. I just think free throws are more important, especially in college basketball. I don't know. That's just my personal take. Sure. Yeah, honestly, I think defense and rebounds are definitely a huge asset to the game. Because if you could prevent one player from scoring, you definitely have a good chance of winning basketball games. Yeah. Especially with conference tournaments coming up, it's going to be more important than ever to stop people from scoring. Yeah, it's an interesting debate to have. I believe we'll... We'll probably have this debate in future shows and future Sports Power Talks, but ultimately, 
Just happy to have both of these guys on this team. And good luck to the Zips men's basketball team this week against Buffalo. And, of course, against Kent State on Friday. Don't even need to say to go to the jar because I'm sure a lot of you already (laughs) have plans to show up and show out at the jar this Friday night against Kent State. That'll do it for our first segment here of today's Sports Power Talk. Don't go anywhere, though. After the break, we'll go to our Zips women's basketball team, talk about their competition in the MAC. And then answer your questions on our Twitter page at WZIP Sports in Hot Mike. Don't go anywhere. This is Sports Power Talk on WZIP. Welcome back to the best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. My name is Jake Murn, the host of Sports Power Talks today. And today, I am joined by Dev Lucas. What's up? And I'm also joined by Casey Rush. May the number 32 be with you. Yes. May (laughs) the number 32 be with you, of course, relating to our men's Zips basketball team. But we are transitioning this segment and talking about the Zips women's basketball team. Unfortunately, we have to start start on their game on Wednesday at Ball State, uh, where they fell to the Cardinals 89-66. to This was their second road loss in a row. They were outscored 25-11 to in the first quarter of this game. And like the men's team, and we talked about it in the first segment, Casey, this team as well, notoriously a team that starts slow, but you can't do that against one of the best teams in the MAC in Ball State. They were down 46-25 to at halftime. Just not a great game at all. Any way you look at it here for the Zips. Any takeaways from this game? Yeah, this was easily the worst performance all season by the Zips. They let Ball State score 50% from the floor and 52% from threes. You're not, you're, it's going to be really hard to win when you're giving up that many and give up 89 points. Yeah, Jake, as you mentioned earlier, no score for four and a half minutes until Rachel Martindale made a three. Once again, another hot start. And by... But, Coming into that three, it was 14 to nothing. Yeah, it was that bad. We shot 9 from 27 from three, and including 22 and 59 on the floor. We were out-rebounded. We were cooking up so many apple turnovers, you thought it was was a bake sale. They beat us 9 to 6 in the steals department. The Zips couldn't do anything on the court that night in Muncie. Reagan Bass... Marndale and Faith Stinson were the only ones in double figures with 13, 12, and 12, respectively. And even then, those numbers aren't really good. Yeah. I know Ball State's a favorite to win the MAC, but seriously, girls, we got to play better. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. Yeah, that was a rough raw loss on the road for the Akron Zips. Reagan Bass, 13 points, 4 for 12 shooting, not very efficient uh, out of her And then Rachel Martindale, you mentioned her shot in the first half, Casey, but she went off for 12 points, 4 of 10 shooting, a great scoring game, at least for her. And she's, you know, one of those players that can have games like that on occasion. Hopefully you wish, at least, that those performances come in winning games. This one, obviously, in a losing effort, but the team in total shot 37.3% from the field. Not great there. And the Zips defense, something they're known for, not existent in this game. Madeline Bischoff for Ball State, 20 points, 8 for 10, shooting 4 rebounds, 2 assists. The team shot 51.7% from the field and 52.4% from 3-point range. I mean, ugly defensive performance here. Rare, bad performance, and giving up 89 points as well. Just not what you like to see 
out of the Zips women's basketball team. But they returned home yesterday afternoon, and as these Zips teams do at home, they win. That's yes, what they, they do. do. Yeah. That's what they're known for doing. And they not only won, but they dominated Buffalo yesterday yesterday evening at the jar, 69-47. to 47. I'll throw it to you guys before we head out to the head coach, Melissa Jackson, on the win. What did you think about the win? Yeah, I think the Zips really needed the bounce back win. The only thing that I'm concerned with with, with this team is that the turnovers, they've still, they had 15 turnovers that game. Still win, and it doesn't come back to bite them, but... I don't know. It seems like they're always leading the turnover department, and that's not necessarily a good thing. Yeah. Once again, we get off to another slow start, but it actually took half the time it took to get our first points that it did in the Ball State game. <laughs> this time with a three by Dominique Camp, and the ladies began to found, find their form after that. They started pulling away, and there was no holding them back in that game. Once again, we had three zips and double figures with Bass, Camp, and Molly Nitzel with scoring 20, 15, and 14, respectively. We were getting more rebounds. We were boxing out, like I mentioned before, in all my SBT appearances. Like Devin mentioned, turnovers are still a concern, but it didn't matter in the end because we got a blowout win. What more could you ask for at home? Yeah, and you talk about starting slow. What about a 9-8 first quarter? That's I mean, a miserable first quarter here. (laughs) Thankfully, the Zips got it together and won 69-47. Without further ado, though, here is head coach Melissa Jackson on the win yesterday against Buffalo. So proud of our group. Um, We needed this one. We we knew coming off the two losses on the road, you know, to to two of the the top teams in our league, um, that we needed to come come back and, and protect home court. And we talked at length about that the last couple days, and we knew Buffalo, um, how hard they play. Becky's doing a really good job um, with that group, you know, making them play really, really hard. Um, and we knew we had to bring it today. And so I am so proud of my group uh, for committing to the scouting report, exactly what we wanted to do. And then that was some of the best offensive execution um, that I've seen all year from our, our group. You know, we, we ran a lot of sets today. Um, we executed really, really well. Um, and then the final push, you know, I knew – you know, that Buffalo could get tired um, in that fourth quarter just because of the amount of minutes that they play. And um, for us to push through and finish, you know, the way that we did speaks a lot to our team. A proud head coach there of her women's Zips basketball team. And she wanted her team to bring it, and they certainly did. The largest lead in the game for Akron was 27. And Akron, their shooting was phenomenal as well. 50.9% shooting from the field, 44% from three-point range. Led by Reagan Bass, 20 points, 8 for 15 shooting, 9 rebounds, just 1 rebound away from a double-double. Molly Nitzel also just 1 rebound away from a double-double. She scored 14, went 6 for 8 from the field. And Dominique Camp, you mentioned her name, Casey. Great game out of her as well. 15 points, 6 for 12 shooting, 4 assists, 3 rebounds, 3 steals, doing it everywhere. And she did it against her former team in Buffalo. Any last thoughts on this game with Reagan Bass's performance and these other Lady Zips as well, just bringing it to fruition and getting a win after coming off of two losses? I think it's a really good bounce back for the Zips. Yeah, replicate this game, except for the turnover part, and we're in good shape the rest Mm -hmm. of the season. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, One more clip here for the women's basketball team. Here's Reagan Bass. I believe her first time uh, being spoken on these airwaves. She's just talking about playing as a team after those back-to-back losses and getting that win and what it meant to this team uh, yesterday against Buffalo. So we kind of came together as as a team after our last loss, and we 
really honed in our focus. We individually went around and were like, what do we want to bring to next game? Because it was very disappointing, very upsetting. But the good thing was that we took it all on our backs collectively. We didn't blame anyone. We didn't point fingers. And it brought us really closer together and helped amp that passion aspect, that family aspect that Coach Jackson hones in practice and everything we kind of do. You love to see this team play as a family, exactly what they did yesterday at home against Buffalo, getting that win after back-to-back road losses. And looking ahead for this team, you hope they play as a family because they have a big contest this Wednesday against Kent State again. Normally we say jam the jar. Don't think we have to do that when it comes in a rivalry game against Kent State. And even for the women's teams, this is a heated rivalry. Both teams actually tied for fourth in the MAC right now. Both of these teams are. What do you think about Kent State so far this year, talking about the women here, and do you like Akron's chances to win this game? Uh, yeah, I think Kent has looked pretty good, but if Akron can limit the turnovers and get a good performance out of Reagan Bass, I think we could see the Zips winning that one for sure. Yeah, this is another instance where both of these teams are equally as good as one another. As you mentioned, Jake, both of these teams are tied in the MAC standings. They're sitting at 5-3. and three. In fact, this would be a first-round MAC tournament matchup if it were to start today because we would be the 4 seed. They would be the number 5 seed. And this is another game where the Zips, just like the men, have to play at their best. You have to stop their top three scorers, like I said, for the men. This time around, it's going to be Lindsey Thal, Corrine, Corinne Hauser, and Katie Shoemate. you got to stop all three of these ladies. We have to out-rebound them. We have to box out. We have to take care of the ball, as I mentioned earlier with the men. And, and you got to pay attention to each play. And if we do that, there's no stopping this team. Yeah, yep. that's well said, Casey. Uh, Kent State, they're coming off a dominant 64-38 to win over Western Michigan yesterday. In their previous game, they beat NIU by 21. They've dominated their past two MAC opponents, but they are 5-3 and three in MAC play, 3-3 three and three in their last six games. You mentioned Lindsey Thaw, Casey. That is a player you certainly have to stop. But nobody comes close to averaging a double-double on Kent State. And that stuck out to me because I could see Reagan Bass and Molly Nitzel having great games on the boards and they could score down low fairly easily as well. I like this matchup for Akron. It takes place at home. They're a great team at home. 5-3 and three on the road, but they do play well at home. Give me Akron at home in the jar against Kent State. Two rivalry wins in one week. Make it happen for these Akron Zips basketball teams. Uh, one more game this week for Akron, though. They do take on Western Michigan on the road on Saturday. I, me- I mentioned the Broncos' crushing loss to Kent State. Western Michigan, not the best team in the MAC. They're 9 and 10, 4 and 4 in MAC play. They're currently in sixth place. They also only score 66.4 points per game. Do you guys like this matchup for Akron? Yeah, I think I can see Akron winning this one. The only thing that slightly worries me is that since our 12 and 2 start, we have gone 2 and 3, but. I think coming off a Kent win, assuming we can beat Kent, I think it's going to be a pretty easy cakewalk for Akron to win that one. Yeah. Once again, this is a this is a winnable matchup, and of course you have to stop Lauren Lauren Ross. That's their big that's their big lady right there. She averages nearly twenty two points a game, and you got to stop their top scorer because if you do, you actually have a strong chance of winning that game. And this is a winnable game, and hopefully we can pull it off. Yeah, it's like Lauren Ross and then 
everybody else for this Broncos team. <laughs> Ross, of course, averaging nearly 22 points per game, like you mentioned. Stopper, you're going to win this game. And the Western Michigan Broncos are just a streaky team. They went on a three-game win streak, a three-game losing streak, a four-game winning streak, and now are on a two-game losing streak. So hopefully we can continue that losing streak uh, this Saturday against Western Michigan. Before we go to Hot Mike, though, I want to ask you guys, how can the Zips compete with the top teams in the Mid-American Conference? Those top teams right now, at least, being Bowling Green, Ball State, and Toledo. The Zips have lost to two of those teams so far this season in Ball State and Toledo. How do we get over that hump and start competing with these teams? I think they need to limit the turnovers, but I also don't think that Akron is that kind of team. We saw them get demolished by Ball State. We saw them struggle against Toledo, and they did play BG here at home, I think, and they didn't play great in that either. Um, they kind of coll- I think they had a big lead in the collapse in the fourth quarter. Yes, they lost seventy-one to sixty-six. So actually, they've lost to all three of those yeah, teams. But so I far. think they, I think oh. they were up in the in the fourth quarter by a sizable margin, and they collapsed. Uh, to BG, if I remember right, but I yeah thirty one to thirteen fourth quarter in favor of Bowling Green. Yeah, Ugh. that's horrible. You you can't have that happening. And that was at home. Yeah, you. <laughs> it might be a lot worse when Akron goes to BG. To be honest with you, um, but yeah, they got to lim- limit the turnovers. That's what has to happen. But uh, I don't know if Akron's talented enough, quite frankly, to compete with those teams. Yeah, we need to stop making fundamental mistakes like turnovers and not boxing out every single play. Yeah, we have to make sure our shots are going through the hoop, like I mentioned for the men. We're not out of this just yet. We're not out of the title contention just yet, but we got to play better. The win over Buffalo is a good start, but can we continue this momentum is going to be the question for the Zips ladies coming forward. Sure. And the first step is beating Kent State on Wednesday to solidify the four spot in the MAC. But for me, how do they compete? One, improve in the first quarter. We've talked about it all day, Casey, about starting games strong. And the Zips record would be much worse if it weren't for their play in the third and fourth quarters of games this year. They're starting And starting strong can really set the tempo of an entire game, which can do a lot for Akron when competing against the top teams in the MAC. Also, one thing about this Zips team that I want to mention is Dominique Camp. When she has good offensive production, this team is so dynamic on that side of the ball because we know what we're going to get out of Reagan Bass night in and night out. She's a double-double machine. She's going to score north of 15 points every single game almost. But when Dominique Camp can produce on the offensive side of the ball and her transition ability on defense to create steals and turnovers, this Zips offense becomes dynamic and very hard to stop. So those are the two things I'm looking forward to for this team. Start strong and facilitate some offense through Dominique Camp, which really makes this team that much more dynamic. Of course, you have your Rachel Martindales and your Molly Nitzels there as well. They can contribute on the offensive side of the ball, but Dominique Camp is a special breed, and when she can feed the ball to Reagan Bass down low and she can make shots at the top of the key as well, this team gets that much better. Hopefully you enjoyed our breakdown of the women's Zips basketball team, but as we do every single week on Sports Power Talk, it is time for Hot Mike. Let's get right to the questions on our Twitter at WZIP Sports, and we're going to start with a man who's been texting me all so long about this Zips women's basketball team. I won't mention the reason why, 
But Logan Congrove asking you, Casey, a question. He's asking, what would you say the Columbus Blue Jackets' biggest issue is this season, and how can it be resolved? Well, it's kind of hard to compete in the NHL when you have an injury list that rivals Santa's nice list. Because <laughs> right now you got Justin Danforth is out. Zach Wierenski is hurt. Jake Bean's injured. Jacob Voracek is out. Jaeger Chinakov is out. Carson Meyer is out. Gustav Nyquist is injured. Adam Boquist is injured. And Nick Blackenberg is injured. You're basically starting the Cleveland Monsters is what you're doing. And that is Yikes. not a good look for the Columbus Blue Jackets. But right now your main goal is to win the Tankley Cup playoffs, a.k.a. get that first overall pick. That's basically what your goal is right now. All right, well, there you have it. A little hockey update there from Casey and a longer extended hockey update coming to Sports Power Talk overtime tomorrow with Casey and Pat. Check that out tomorrow morning wherever you get your podcast. A little plug there for the good old hockey podcast on SPTOT. Let's continue on with Hot Mike. Let's go to Aaliyah Craig as she asks, should the NBA season be reduced to less games to help with rest and injuries for players? I don't think so. I think there's... I think if anything, they sh- they should cut back on some back to backs. Like I don't think it's fair if you're on the road, for example, and then you have a back to back in a different city the next day. But I think they have plenty of rest, personally. Yeah, because like in hockey, a lot of people complain about the back to back games. I think 82 games works just fine. It's just all about trying to stay healthy yourself and try not to get injured. That's basically what the main concern is. Mm-hmm. That's why they wanted to cut the games from 82 to 72, but I think 82 games works just fine. You just got It's all about resiliency, and that's basically what it is. I'm a big proponent of of making the NBA regular season shorter. I've always said this on air. I don't think 82 games is a must. I don't think 72 games will get it done. I would love 72 games, but I think there's an even middle there, like 75 or so, where these players get less back-to-backs, can get more rest that they need. You would see less injuries, and they would get the rest they need to actually play in certain towns. I mean, we saw the Warriors B team beat the Cavs just a week and a half ago, and there were many Warriors fans in that building wanting to see Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green play that night, and because of rest issues and because they were coming off of a back-to-back and an overtime loss to the Boston Celtics the night prior, they had to sit those players. So I do like the option of having a shorter NBA season. We go on, though, with Hot Mike. Kelly Craig with the next question. She asks, how do you think Purdy will do against the Eagles' defense? Well, he hasn't lost yet. It's true. He's an Offensive Rookie of the Year candidate. Don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how he plays. Yeah, we'll break down that game more for you in the last segment of today's show. But right now, Casey, any quick thoughts on how you think uh, Brock Purdy will do today? Well, he does have a certain nickname that I won't say on air, but Brock Purdy has definitely impressed me throughout his entire starting career. He, As we mentioned, he did not lose one game yet as a starter. I think it might continue today, but we'll just have to wait and see because I think all four of these teams could easily win the Super Bowl. Yeah, I could see the pressure getting to him today, especially being on the road playing in Philly, but... I expect him to just have an average game, and that's kind of what he's known for. He's not going out there and having incredible games. His win uh, last week over the Cowboys wasn't by any means an incredible performance. He was overthrowing many of his receivers. I just expect him to go out there and do what they need him to do 
Will that lead to a win? We will reveal that later on in today's show, so stay tuned for that. Next up, Hot Mike, Isabel. She is our entertainment director here at WZIP Sports. She asked, if you could be a pro player in any sport, what sport would you choose? Baseball. Love it. Well, I'm not really athletic, but... But if you were... If I was, it would probably be football. That's fair. I would probably go baseball as well. I love baseball. You get to play in the summer outside. Yeah. It's nice, you know? Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Uh, Matt Permuka of WZIP Sports, he asked, do you think you could beat a 5-1 LeBron James in a 1v1 basketball game? If not, how short would LeBron have to be for you to feel confident that you could beat mini LeBron? Four foot zero. I don't think I could beat him if he's 5'1". Yeah, I wouldn't beat him either. I'm gonna ha- I need him to be Maybe like smaller. shorter than an infant. <laughs> Maybe that, like I need two. him to be shorter than an infant in order for me to have a chance. Maybe yeah. he needs to be like two feet tall. So that you can step over him. Maybe just <laughs> sidearm him down to the ground a little bit. Yeah. yeah, I'm right there with you guys. I think four foot tall is the kind of perfect median there yep. of beating LeBron James in a 1v1. 5'1", I would... Not stand a chance. No. Not at all. He'd still probably be able to to dunk the ball at 5-1. I mean, he's insane. <laughs> he's the GOAT, right? Yeah. Let's move on with Hot Mike, though. We'll go to Banana Killer 15 He says, pick one. You get front row seats to any game you want, but have to sit next to a bunch of annoying fans with no elbow room, or you sit in the nosebleeds but get all the free drinks and snacks you can, you can and get to meet some players afterwards. I think I'm picking the nosebleeds. Yeah, I'm picking the nosebleeds for sure. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Especially the added bonus of getting to meet players. If that wasn't even in there, yeah. I would still pick nosebleeds. To yeah. me, an event, whether it's a sport, a sporting event, whether it's a concert, it is made or ruined by the crowd. Yeah. If you're by annoying people, it's going to be a terrible experience, even if your team wins or the concert's great. But if you're in the nosebleeds and you're by the best people around... I'll take that 10 times out of 10. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. All in agreement on that one. Uh, let's go to Jake Mernigoat here, as we always do on <laughs> Hot Mike. He says, thoughts on the Grizzlies being 0-5 since this picture was taken. The picture, of course, is of Shannon Sharp and his incident <laughs> in L.A. with the Grizzlies. But the Grizzlies are on a five-game losing streak. What do you guys think of that? I think it's just a coincidence, quite frankly. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, a lot of that's not just curse, not just curses, but it's by sheer coincidence. But the Grizzlies definitely need to find their form if they believe that's a curse. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Jay Murnigoat also asked, do you think Stefan Diggs should leave the Bills, especially with his anger with the playoff woes? I don't think so. I think him and Josh Allen have really good chemistry, and I think you just got to see it out. I mean, this year you're losing division around the year before you're losing the conference championship. Buffalo is a powerhouse right now. I mean, they could go to the Super Bowl next year. Yeah, at the very least, he should at least get rid of the C on his jersey and relinquish the captaincy. Yeah, that's if he's fair. gonna be if he's gonna be talking like that, that's not what a good captain does. Yeah, I yeah. don't see him leaving the Bills, but at least get rid of the captaincy at the very least. I Just think, do that. But there doesn't be a lot of backlash if that happens. Take give rid of his captain; he's gonna be even more mad. Right. I think people just look too much into this type of situation with Diggs. I mean, there's games in games while where he is acting out and, you know, there's scenes where he has to hug Sean McDermott to get in the right mental space to win a game. But to me, I just think Stefan Diggs is the ultimate competitor. All he wants to do is go out there, give his all 
and win games, especially in the NFL playoffs and win a Super Bowl, right? That's what every NFL player wants to do. And Stephon Diggs, I think he's that to the next level. Yeah, he's probably just more passionate yeah. than other Exactly. Players. That's exactly what I think of Stefan Diggs. I mean, there's pictures passionate. of him yeah. out, he is like, passionate. looking at the Chiefs celebrating their win in the playoffs, and he's standing mm-hmm. out there, that picture. I mean, he is the ultimate competitor. And this was a year that a lot of people predicted, including myself, that this was going to be the year for the Buffalo Bills to win it all. Unfortunately, that did not happen with their loss to the Bengals, but... Again, I just think people are looking too far into it. He's really close with Josh Allen. I think he's going to be a bill for a very, very long time. We have time for one more question for Hot Mike. This one from Liam Colo. He asked, do you think the Bengals can do it all this year? I think they can. It's possible. I I can see them beating the Chiefs. I mean, do you have, an, you have an, uh, Patrick Mahomes who's playing through injury? And... They could beat the Eagles or the 49ers, I think. And they're going to be hungry after they lost in the Super Bowl last year anyway. Yeah, this is a year where I could see all four of these teams lifting the Lombardi Trophy in Glendale. The Bengals definitely have the talent to get it done. Is The the question is, is it going to turn on at the right time is going to be the question. I yeah. think they could do it. Yeah, I agree with you. I think all four teams could do it. We'll save our predictions for the end of today's show when we preview the AFC and NFC divisional or the title games, excuse me, give you our predictions, and talk about both of those games. We're going to have to break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the NBA and the Cleveland Cavaliers and also a player that might divide WZIP sports that plays for the Cleveland Cavaliers. We'll reveal that player and talk about it. It happens next on Sports Power Talk. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back in to Sports Power Talk, the best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. My name is Jake Murn, the host of your show today, and today I'm joined by two great analysts. First, Dev Lucas. Hey, what's up, everybody? And second, Casey Rush. I throw me through one hour. Let's go. Yeah, <laughs> it's halftime now. Let's do it. Home stretch. We'll get to the second half. <laughs> one hour in, one hour to go. How's it holding up? It's going good. It's All going right, good. Casey. Let's get through this second hour. I know your throat's uh, teetering there, but we'll make it. We'll make it. It's getting there. It's getting there. Yes. <laughs> Let's talk about the NBA and the NBA All-Star Game. Before we talk about the Cleveland Cavaliers, and I teased it before we went to break, there's a player on the Cavs that might be dividing WZIP sports. So tune in for that in just a matter of minutes. But first, let's talk about these NBA All-Stars and the All-Star starters. So if you didn't see, for the East, Giannis Antetokounmpo is the captain for the East. He's joined by Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Jason Tatum, and Donovan Mitchell for the starters. In the West, LeBron James, by no surprise, is the captain. He's joined by Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, Nikola Jokic, and Zion Williamson. Those are the starters for your NBA All-Star Game. And this is actually going to be LeBron's 19th time being an All-Star, tying Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's record. He's also chasing another Kareem Abdul-Jabbar record. We'll get to that in a matter of moments. But the NBA All-Star starters... Any disagreements here? Any snubs, or do you think they got it just right? I think Anthony Davis should be starting over Zion. Both of them have not played much this season, and and Zion has support players. Seems like Davis really is the Lakers' defense, in my opinion. And I don't know. To me, it really just seems like they picked Zion because he's played four more games than Davis, personally. Yeah, I agree with most of the starters. Of course, LeBron and Giannis are going to be the captains. You you knew before the season even started that they were going to be the captains for this year's All-Star. 
But I think the fans voting, since the votes are 50% of the votes, but I, it's just a shame that there's going to be plenty of players that are going to get snubbed. Like Devin mentioned, Anthony Davis. I know he missed like twenty games due to a foot injury, but so does Zion. He's only missed. Yeah. he's missed played four more games than him. Yeah, but in his return, he went off like he did the entire season before that. And also, how does the top scorer in the league and Joel Embiid not get in? That's what I want to know. How did Joel Embiid not get a spot? And also, John ja Moran, he didn't get the starting job earlier, like either. Like fans. What are you thinking? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Joel Embiid, that's not a player that I originally thought of. That's definitely a good a good take there, Casey. But ultimately, I don't think the fans did a bad job here, with the starters at least. Yeah. I don't love Zion being named a starter. I agree with that take. Maybe John Morant, Anthony Davis, you mentioned his name, or Shea Gale, just Alexander. He's playing insane this year for the OKC Thunder. Yes, he is. Those three guys, I would have preferred seeing them over a guy like Zion, but... I mean, Williamson, he has the frame. He has the electricity in his play. I mean, he's going to be a great NBA all-star starter. But I do think if you look at all 10 players, if there's one misfit, right, that one misfit is probably Zion Williamson. Mm -hmm. Could Mm -hmm. they have chosen a better guy? Sure. You also have Joel Embiid sitting there on the bench. But ultimately, I don't think the fans did that bad. And I agree that once you look further down the list, I talked about this last week, you look further down the list, there are questionable calls. I mean, Derrick Rose, I think he finished with more votes than Darius Garland did. What? But if you look down the list, sure, things get shaky. But at the top of each list, I do think the fans got it right. And I'm certainly not advocating for fan voting, but I'm not on the other side of it where I'm saying fan voting is the worst thing. We need to change it right away. I don't think it's terrible. I think they got it right for the most part when it comes to the all-star starters. Another aspect of this all-star game, though, that I want to talk about, because at first I hated it, and now I'm kind of coming around to it. So it's the new rule of how the NBA all-star game draft is going to take place. The NBA all-star game draft is now going to be the day of the game itself. So the draft is going to be at 7.30 p.m. on Sunday, February 19th, and then the game just 30 minutes later at 8 p.m., do you guys like this change, or do you prefer it how it used to be where they did you know, a TNT special with the two captains drafting their teams? I think it's a little different. I think, uh, I don't know. I just think it's, it's different. I don't know how to feel about it. That's kind of how I feel. Well, there's definitely some sort of nostalgia that reminds you of some pickup games where you have this whole lineup of teams, and you got the captains pick, mm-hmm. picking them. You're like, hmm, you're going one by one. I'm going with you, and then the next guy says, I'm going with you. It brings you back to your childhood. So that's basically what they're trying to do with this. Honestly, I think they should have gone back to their old format, but I don't see anything wrong with this new format with the draft being 30 minutes before the game. Yeah, I ultimately enjoy the draft. I've loved the TNT special shows, always tune in for them, seeing the captains draft their teams. Ultimately, like I, I wasn't happy when this was first announced. But then I thought of the pickup basketball games, the street basketball aspect of, you know, you have your two captains, everybody else is just standing in the middle and you pick your team. I thought about that and was like, okay, that makes sense. That is going to be entertaining. But another aspect I just thought of, like, these players are going to be in person being drafted. 
Could you imagine that have happened last year? Because oh. last year, <laughs> Kevin Durant and James Harden, when that was happening, because James Harden got traded to the 76ers, right? Could you imagine Kevin Durant looking at James Harden and drafting the other player? Like that would have been insane <laughs> yeah. to witness in person. So yeah, now LeBron seeing, was laughing up a storm that year. Everybody was. The whole TNT crew was. <laughs> I was at home watching. Like, but seeing those types of interactions happen in person on the court—that's going to be very fun. And it's not like these teams strategize, anyways, right? No. I mean, it's an NBA All Star game. They just go out there, they have fun, they do their thing. So mm-hmm. it, ultimately, I don't think it matters, but I did enjoy how it used to be. I think I'm actually going to enjoy more how it is. And one thing that I enjoy doing most on these airwaves, I vividly remember this nearly a year ago today, was doing an NBA All-Star Game draft on these airwaves. I was the judge. We had Marcus Anderson and Jeff Longville on the other side of the board drafting these teams, and I judged their teams Fantastic memories from that Sports Power Talk, and you bet that is going to come as well this year on February 19th, and we'll do it on the day of the actual NBA All-Star Game, the day that these captains are actually drafting these teams. So each person on the show alongside me will be assigned a captain. They'll draft their teams. Really looking forward to that. That's a show to mark on your calendar, February 19th, Sports Power Talk. That's going to be a very, very special one. I mentioned LeBron James, though, and how he tied Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in All-Star Game appearances, but he's also chasing him for another record. And we talked about this on last week's show, but I figured we would give you a little bit of an update. And if you didn't know, he's chasing his record for the all-time scoring record. He right now is 117 points behind Kareem for the most career points in NBA history. And on last week's SBT, he had 38,127 career points. It's 261 away from the record. Now, 38,271 points for LeBron James. 117 points behind. The Lakers play four games this week. With that math, he would have to average just over 29 points per game to get there. This time next week, on these airwaves, next Sunday, Sports Power Talk, are we going to talk about LeBron James being the all-time scorer in the NBA, or is it going to take him a little bit longer? What do you guys think? I think so. I think he can average 29.3 points a game from here to then. You know he's going to get there, because LeBron James is still playing like he was, like he's 19 years old. And, Jake, you were wrong about one thing. You were one point off from the margin. He's only 116 points away. Okay, fair enough. He had 41 points last night in that overtime loss to the Boston Celtics. You know he's going to get to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He's playing at a high level. It's unfortunate that the Lakers around him aren't doing too well this year, but right now, it's about LeBron and seeing if he can etch his name into the record books once again. He's going to do it in a week or two. You're going to be you're definitely going to be talking about him being the all-time scorer either next week or the week after. Yeah, and another feather in his cap for the conversation of who is the greatest basketball player of all time. And you mentioned it, Casey, the Celtics game last night went into overtime. LeBron, of course, scored 41, but there were certain aspects of that game. Didn't want to talk about it, but we. I do want to talk about one aspect of it. Uh-oh. Patrick Beverly. <laughs> did you guys see this? Did you yes, see I Casey? saw the clip. Devin, did I you see it. what Patrick Beverly did last night? I didn't catch it. What happened? The funniest technical foul in NBA history <laughs> occurred last night. 
with the Boston Celtics and Los Angeles Lakers game, right? So Patrick Beverly, the whole the setting, if you will, right? LeBron James, it's a tie game. Seconds left in the fourth quarter. LeBron James goes for a layup. He should have been fouled. Basket did not go. The game goes into overtime. Mm-hmm. But he should have right. had the opportunity to win the game with free throws at the end of the fourth quarter. Right. And NBA officials have come back after the game and said it was a foul. It should have been called. If that even means anything, I don't think it does. But yeah. it should have been a foul. And Patrick Beverly goes off to the side, takes a photographer's camera <laughs> with a picture of the foul, and he shows this camera to the officials. He shows this camera <laughs> to the referee, and he's like, I got photo proof that this foul occurred on LeBron James. The ref was not having it. He struck Beverly away, teed him up right away. Uh, I know, Devin, you didn't see it, but Casey, you did. What would you think of the, what'd you that? That was one of the most funniest clips I've seen from Patrick Beverly all year long. That was that was so hilarious. I've seen funny technical fouls. I've seen Steph Curry throw his mouthpiece in the 2016 finals, but this one is the cherry on top. No, I haven't seen one person in any sport literally grab a camera, steal it from a photographer, and literally shove it into a ref's face and say, hey, that should be called a foul. But I haven't seen anything like that. It was actually <laughs> hilarious. Stole play out of the old Casey Rush playbook there with the uh, rest can't see, right? <laughs> yeah, that's definite. Yeah. I got the glasses. Patrick Beverly's got the camera. That he does. That he does. It was a great moment. Check it out on social media if you have not seen it. It went viral, so it should not be hard to find a hysterical moment. Probably the most hysterical moment this year in the NBA, I would say. Um, Let's move on. Let's talk about our Cleveland Cavaliers. A quick week in review for the Cavs. And let's talk about their loss to the New York Knicks on Tuesday, 105-103. to I have one particular issue about this game. I'll talk about that in a second. But overall thoughts on this loss to the Knicks? Uh, I think it was a great game played by both teams. And unfortunately, the Cavs could not come up and win that game. Yeah, I thought it was a great game by both teams as well. It was expected to be this close as these are two teams that are fighting for a playoff spot in the East in the future. At the end of the day, the Knicks just made a little bit more of their shots, including five more threes than us. They had 17. We had 12. It's been a theme where we can't stop with the Cavs where we can't stop one guy and it comes back to haunt us at the end. Like that Warriors game you mentioned earlier, Jake, we couldn't stop Jordan Poole worth anything and we can't stop Julius we couldn't stop Julius Randle he had 36 points 13 rebounds and it only takes one guy to do you in it absolutely does yeah Randle had an amazing game against the Cavs scoring 36 Jared Allen scored 24 Darius Garland scored 22 the problem I have though is with Donovan Mitchell he scored 24 that's great Not very efficient, went 9 for 24 from the field, 3 for 10 on two-point field goals, though. 3 for 10 on two-point field goals. He had eight assists and eight rebounds. In the fourth quarter, he had nine points, one steal, one assist at four minutes and 19 seconds left in the game. That's a great fourth quarter. He's going off in the fourth quarter, sinking buckets, shooting threes, nailing them as the Cavs are trying to come back and beat this New York Knicks team. Love what I'm seeing. But from four minutes and 19 seconds left in the game on to when the buzzer hits and the clock shows zero. Donovan Mitchell went 0 for 6 from the field shooting forced shots. He suffered a groin injury on the final play. 
which if you're a Cavs fan, you're looking at the scoreboard, it's a loss. You're looking at the TV, Donovan Mitchell's on the floor in pain. It's two losses right there for you. And just forcing him to miss, and that, that injury forced him to miss the following two games. He's questionable for tonight's matchup against the Clippers. To me, my problem with it, I know Donovan Mitchell's the best player on the Cavs. I'm aware of that. I love Donovan Mitchell. I freaked out when he got traded to the Cavs. But down the stretch, he can act a bit too selfish for my liking. Going 0 for 6 down the stretch, forcing shots inside the paint, driving in and forcing shots, missing them going 0 for 6. Again, 3 for 10 on two-point field goals in the entire game. You have Evan Mobley, who has had a resurgence in the past week or two shooting the ball and scoring a lot of points, especially at the free throw line as well, you could feed it to that big man. Darius Garland, he's there too. Jared Allen scored 24 points in this game. Feed it to him down low as well. It's not a one-man team. And to me, like I said, a great fourth quarter until there were four minutes left in the game, and then he suffered. and He, he hurt the Cavs as well by going over six. What do you guys think? I... I don't want to make it sound like I'm a Donovan Mitchell hater because I'm not. I love what he's doing. Just in that game, it was hard to watch those last four minutes knowing that we have five guys on the court and shot after shot after shot was attempted and missed by Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, maybe it's just the pressure was getting to him a little bit. But, yeah, he's got to spread the ball out a little more, I think, like you said, Jake. Yeah, it's definitely the he in the moment, like Devin said. Listen, it's not the first time Donovan Mitchell has been under thin ice with that. It's certainly not going to be the last. Listen, I want to talk about that final play in general. It's not Mitchell's fault that the ball ends up in his hands with situations like this. You're down two with eight seconds left. Mitchell was the only player that was basically open other than Karis LeVert on, over there on the left side for a three. We've seen this before from Spida. I've seen this. I see this as a heat of the moment kind of thing. You can also see a case for Evan Mobley. I can also see it as a selfish play from Evan Mobley at the end, taking a turnaround game tying shot instead of giving the ball to Karis Levert for a potential game winning three. He was wide open there. But then again, it was in the heat of the moment. Then at the end of the day, the entire team wasn't calm, cool, nor collected. And that's how we lost this game. Yeah, and with the context, you know, if you tell me Cavs are down by two points, eight seconds left in the fourth quarter, who do you want taking the last shot? Ten times out of ten, I'm saying Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. With context, though, him being 0 for 5 before that in the fourth quarter, in the past three minutes from the field, I would say give it to somebody else. Yeah. Especially when you have your big men there, both scoring over 20, or at least Jared Allen scoring over 20. Darius Garland, he did score over 20. He scored 22 in that game. you got to give it to another option down low. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I just think he needs to play less selfishly down the down the stretch. I know he's our best player. He has the ball in his hands. He wants to get the win for the Cavs. Just when you're not hot, you need to realize that. And when the game's on the line, you got to pass it, give it to somebody else. That's my take on that. Again, though, I do love Donovan Mitchell. Hope he's getting healthy. Hopefully he does play against the Clippers tonight. We certainly do need him tonight against L.A. Uh, then the Cavs won against the Rockets on Thursday, 113-95. to A dominating performance here from the Cavs. But a game I want to talk about is the game on Friday against the Oklahoma City Thunder, 
where the Cavs lost by a dozen. They lost 112 to 100, and they were outscored 34 to 22 in the fourth quarter in that losing effort. They fell to 10 and 16 on the road. Not a great road team, the Cleveland Cavaliers are. Casey, I'll go to you first. What do you think about that loss against the OKC Thunder? Well, first off, no Donovan Mitchell didn't help this time around. But then again, it shouldn't take one star player getting injured for a team to collapse. We couldn't make shots when the Thunder did. We were once again getting out-rebounded, and we had no answer for Gilgis Alexander. Yet another one guy that we couldn't stop. And also, we couldn't stop Jalen Williams nor Jalen Williams. Yes, they have two Jalen Williams on the Thunder. (laughs) I don't know. It's kind of a mix-up. How many times am I going to say box out on this show? The answer is yes, I know. But they you need to box out. They teach you the skill before you learn how to dribble. Trust me, I know from being in junior high basketball, I've been hearing from my coach, box out, box out, box out, box out. It's literally one of the basic skills that you learn, and they're not doing it. It. I just don't know any other words for that game. We should have won, but we got in our own way yet again. We need a. You just need a box out button back here. Yes. Love your voice, Casey. <laughs> I can just click it whenever I want when it comes to these basketball games. Uh, Dev, any thoughts on this? On this? Yeah, game? I'd have to agree. The second half really just got away from the Cavs. That fourth quarter is inexcusable. Yeah, it, it really was. And Shea Gilgis Alexander having a great year. He went off for thirty-five points, twelve for twenty-one shooting with eight assists. The Thunder man, they shot the ball fifty-two point six percent from the field and fifty-five. from three-point range. I don't understand why we can't defend the three-ball. We can't. makes no sense to me. Night after night, we are just terrible when it comes to perimeter defense. (laughs) The Thunder also shot 25 free throws, making good on 22 of them. Not a single Thunder player had double digits and rebounds, but like you said, Casey, the Cavs were out-rebounded. And there was a call on 923 The Fan in Cleveland. And this caller, I wish I could remember his name. (laughs) But he called in after this game and talked about how the Cavs have tall guys, not big guys. Yep. So they have guys who play the position, and they're tall, and Jared Allen and Evan Mobley, yep. but they don't play with the physicality of a big man that you need down low to get these rebounds. You seem Absolutely. to agree with that statement, Casey. Absolutely. Yeah, we can't stop anybody. We can't stop anybody. We can't play defense. We can't rebound. It's just abysmal right now in Cavs land. It absolutely is. Yep, I have to agree with that. It really is. Looking ahead this week for the Cavs, they do play the Clippers tonight. The Clippers are fourth in the Western Conference. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, definitely a scary duo for L.A. Then they play the Miami Heat on Tuesday. Logan Congrove, just everybody should hope the Cavs win that game. (laughs) If not, it's not going to be a fun time up here for WZIP Sports. And nobody really wants to hear it. Like, if you're a listener... Of Sports Power Talk, do you really want to hear WZIP and Sports Power Talk if the Heat win? No. You don't. You don't, you don't want to even <laughs> you don't even want to imagine that alternate universe where the Miami Heat beat the Cleveland Cavaliers on Tuesday, because it's not gonna happen. We just have to rule out that possibility. It's not gonna happen. And then on Thursday, the Cavs welcome in the Grizzlies as well. All three games at home at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. Uh any thoughts on those three games, guys? Uh yeah, I think the Cavs can win against the uh, Clippers. Just depends on if Donovan Mitchell comes back. And, uh, yeah, we'll just see what happens. Listen, the good news is all three of these games this week are at home. But the bad 
part is we haven't been playing well as of late. I could see us losing all three of these games, but I do not have us losing all three games. I do have us beating the Heat, I, but I have us going one and two in this week. But, yeah, it's just not going to be a really good stretch right now for the Cavs. I think I have us going two and one. I think I have us being the Clippers and the Heat. Uh, I yeah. think it'll be a big bounce back win tonight. If Donovan Mitchell plays tonight, I would agree with you, Dev. But if Donovan Mitchell does not play tonight, and he is questionable alongside Kevin Love for tonight's matchup against the Clippers, I don't think the Cavs get it done without Mitchell. With Donovan, maybe. But right now, I'm going to chalk that one up as a loss. The Heat, easy win. Don't even have to talk about it. (laughs) And then the Grizzlies on Thursday. I agree that is going to be a loss, but it would be interesting because earlier this month, the Cavs did lose to the Memphis Grizzlies. 115 to 114 when the Cavs were without Donovan Mitchell. So if, Ooh, if we have Mitchell for that game, could be a different outcome, especially that game taking place at home on Thursday. Ultimately, I agree with your prediction, though, Casey. I do like a one and two week for the Cavs. Hopefully, three and zero. Oh, you can hope, but Fingers I do like. Crossed. I do think <laughs> and predict a one and two week for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Before we go to break, I tease this throughout the show, and it's finally come. A question about a Cavs player that might divide WZIP sports. If you're a loyal listener, you probably know what player I'm talking about. Even from last season, we were talking about this player and whether or not he should even be a Cleveland Cavalier or not. Here's a clip from last week's show to tell you what I'm talking about. Rotations have got to improve. I There are some guys that are getting too much time and... You can say whatever you want about me after this take, but Kevin Love is killing us, man. Kevin Love should not be getting the type of minutes that he's getting anymore. He's a great veteran presence. And honestly, I'm not even going to say I like the guy. Normally I would say I like the guy, but he's not He's not helping the team. I don't like the guy. And Alex Henry would agree with me. I don't like Kevin Love. He is never smiling, is always, always just not with it. He always seems like the rest of the team is just too young for him. He's just above everybody. I can't stand it. So even on a personal level, I don't like Kevin Love. But on a basketball level right now, he is hurting the Cavs so bad. He took all the – I forget. It was against New Orleans. He was shooting so many shots and just could not connect on any of them. Same case against – he actually did a little better against the Warriors. I think he had 12 points, 12 give or take. But on a night-to-night basis, Kevin Love should not be getting a role like he has. Yes, that was Logan Congrove last week on Sports Power Talk. It pains me that I even played two (laughs) clips from Logan Congrove on today's show. But I thought I would bring that to the table and have this conversation with you guys. Yes, the player I was referencing all show long was indeed Kevin Love. I'll leave it up to you guys. The table's all up to you. What should the Cavs do with Kevin Love? I think they got to keep him. He's a good reserve talent to have and he's a good veteran presence for all the young guys i think logan was right about that but i don't think he's hurting hurting the Cavs every night yeah he said he was quote killing us he doesn't like him because he's never smiling he's not with it apparently against new orleans he did go one for seven but against the warriors he did go four for six including three shots on four attempts from three-point range so hit or miss performances from kevin love but I don't understand the argument of him not smiling. He's not with it. The team's too young for him. He is a veteran. He is a veteran presence. I think he does have good chemistry with this team. Or at least that's been the perception so far. He's had to 
earn that chemistry, right, after the shenanigans last year. And we saw what he did, and we saw how he's come back from those shenanigans. So I am all for Kevin Love right now. But, Casey, we haven't gotten your thoughts yet. Here's the thing with Kevin Love. When healthy, he's a viable asset to the team. The problem is he's not very healthy, and that's a problem with the Cavaliers, and that's staying healthy. You saw with Donovan Mitchell getting hurt. You saw with Darius Garland getting hurt, like last year, I think. Yeah. The question is, is there going to be a team out there that wants to take that risk and sign Kevin Love? That's going to be the question. If not, we'll all welcome him back with open arms. But I could definitely see both options with him leaving and not leaving. But then then again, I wouldn't. it wouldn't hurt to see Kevin Love in a Cavs uniform still. Yeah, I agree with you, Casey. And... Just thinking of Kevin Love, right? He is the only thing left from the Cavs 2016 title. Yep. So I think a lot of Cavs fans hold on to him and cling on to him for that reason. Because we want some type of imagery from that 2016 championship run to apply to this young Cavs team today. And honestly, I'm one of those people. I do cling on to him for that reason. He does remind me of those good old days with the big three with him and a much more sane Kyrie Irving and LeBron James lighting it up in the queue night in and night out, making it to however many finals they made it to, right, in a row. Like, Kevin Love is that guy to me. I want him to stay on this team. If he gets traded and he does take up a lot of salary cap room, so be it. But I do think he deserves a a place on this team and a role on this team. Am I saying it should be a lesser role, maybe, but who who fills that gap, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you have Dean Wade. He's making strides. He's coming back, getting back in the flow of the game. I think he's a great option, but you don't have many guys after him. And I asked that question to Logan last week, and he said Raul Neto. I mean, he's a, he's a guard, so that doesn't really answer your question. And Ricky Rubio is behind Darius Garland, and Raul Neto is behind him, so that doesn't really fit that assigned role that the Cavs need out of their bench players. So we're all, all three of us right now at least, are pro-Kevin Love. Am I getting that right? Yeah. Yes, somewhat. So all three pro-Kevin Love, Logan Congrove and Alex Henry are on the opposite side of this Kevin Love debate. Alex, he'll likely be on a Sports Power Talk soon and he can express his opinion on Kevin Love. Go ahead, I think I could see where they're coming from because he's not the player that he used to be for sure, but yeah. he's that that's not where he that's not his role right now in the Cavs. Though. Sure. And he's sure. Yeah. He's good coming off the bench. He's I don't know. I mean he's a good asset for them to have. Yeah, I agree with you there. And again, it's not dividing WZIP sports among this group, right? No. But I do think this is a player that we're gonna be talking about for future sports power talks and, and it will divide many members up here in WZIP sports. We'll head to break <laughs> when we return it's NFL playoffs, guys. Let's Finally. Get ready for it. Bring the energy. Next segment, we'll talk about today's AFC and NFC title game. Also, talk about the divisional round. As I understand, Casey, you want to do a little bit of flaming. We'll yes, talk I about do. that next. Cowboys don't go anywhere. Get rush. Let's do it. Yeah, don't go anywhere. This is WZIP. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone, to Sports Power Talk, the best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. The final segment of today's show. My name is Jake Murn, the host of your show today, and I'm joined by Dev Lucas. What's up? And Casey Rush. My throat is made to the final quarter. Let's bring this We're home. here. 
Let's bring it home. Let's do it. Casey, I feel for you. Hopefully you can rest up after the show and your voice can yeah. can get repaired, right? Don't worry. I got plenty of chicken noodle soup back home. I'm ready to go. <laughs> there you go. And you got a big week ahead of you. I mean, you got to be in those student sections for this, these games this week, right? Ooh, I have to. Kent I State got on, to. Kent State on Friday. Make sure you pack some cough drops. <laughs> yes. I got plenty in my backpack. <laughs> Don't worry. Pack a whole bag and bring it into the arena with you. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> if you were on next week's Sports Power Talk, that would be a rough show for you, man. Yes, it would. He'd be whispering into the mic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's get to... Listen, I don't don't know how I'm gonna go through this. <laughs> Let's get into the NFL playoffs, gentlemen. Let's talk about last week's divisional round games here briefly. Then we'll obviously touch more heavily on today's div- or title games between the AFC and NFC. Let's talk about it, Casey. You said it before we went to break. The Cowboys are going to get rushed. Yes, they are. The Can table we- is yours, Casey. <laughs> you wanted to do this. I'm giving you the time. Rush the Cowboys. Yes. Yes, I have a sore throat. I can barely talk, but that's not going to stop me from laughing at these guys. Once again, America's team has turned into America's funniest home videos. Let's take a look at the final play. You had Zeke as the only lineman in the snap. Zeke is a lineman. To no one's surprise, he gets folded like origami. And Dak has two other has two options. I'm going to ask both of you, Jake and Dev. Do you choose... To throw to a T.Y. Houghton with three blockers ahead of him and can go out of bounds with a second left for a better attempt at a Hail Mary? Or option B, where you could throw to a Turpin with two defenders breathing down his neck. Which one do you choose? T.Y. Hilson, I would think. Is there a C? That's the best case scenario. There's no C. Best case scenario is T.Y. Hilton. I would do that one, but I would like a C option as well, Casey. But go ahead. Well, unfortunately, unfortunately, Dak doesn't have any of our brains. He chose option D. Be like, how boneheaded do you have to be? This is the second year in a row you've done something like this. Like last year when they faced San Francisco, he, Dak Prescott didn't even go out of bounds. He didn't even try, and that's how. And it turned into a New Year's countdown for America: ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You didn't even get a chance to snap the ball. Like, how boneheaded do you have to be? I know I've been yanking on Matt Canada as a Steelers fan, but even he doesn't call something like this. This is 27 years of the Dallas Cowboys not making it to the conference championship. No one in this room was born yet. Even Saba wasn't born yet when the Cowboys <laughs> made it to the made it to the conference championship. And yet the Cowboys fans keep talking like they did. They're like fought. they did. You keep talking and saying you're going to the Super Bowl every day. Even when you're eliminated. And guess what? Scooter McGruder kept on saying the Dallas Cowboys will win the Super Bowl next year after the game ended. What part of the Cowboys do you not understand? Next year never comes! I like to close my rant with this closing statement. If the size of a fan's mouth corresponds to the size of a team's success, then the Cowboys would be in the middle of a 20-year dynasty right now. Fortunately for America... Y'all just have big mouths. This is Casey Rush. You've just been rushed. Wow. (laughs) Round of applause there for Casey Rush on SBT. How about that? We have to make this a thing. Every single time you're on the show, Casey, you let me know who the next victim is. And we'll get somebody rushed every single sports (laughs) power talk. I love that. And you're absolutely right. I have no idea what the Cowboys were doing in that final play. And by the sound, like, you actually sounded like a Cowboys fan. I know you're not, but these Cowboys fans, 
are somewhat delusional. They are thinking annoying. that they're going to make it they year in and year out, and that's just out. not the case. Yeah. yeah, that was great, Dallas Cowboys. You just got rushed on WZIP <laughs> Sports Power Talk. There you have it. That was great. That was better than I expected. I got to say, Casey, well done. And yeah, the, so the 49ers beat the Cowboys 19 to 12. That'll do it for that breakdown. But let's talk about the Bengals and the Bills game in the AFC divisional round last week. The Bengals won 27 to 10, had a 17 to 7 lead going into halftime. So only three second half points for the Buffalo Bills at home. I mean, I was shocked by this result. Were you guys surprised? Yeah, I was. I thought this game was going to be a lot closer. I was expecting like. 27-24 Buffalo even beating Cincinnati. I didn't see Cincinnati winning in Buffalo. I just I couldn't see it happening. Yeah, I was definitely shocked by that result. I thought that this game was going to be closer. I saw this being a high-scoring offensive showdown, but the Bengals were the only team in Buffalo that came out with firepower, and the Bills couldn't do anything until the final moments of the game. Josh Allen couldn't get an answer for the Bengals' defense, even if he had the answer key. The Bengals' defense literally had his number throughout the whole game. They were stellar, and they proved that they can shut down a high-power Bills offense with Stephon Diggs, Devin Singletary, Josh Allen. They took out every single one of those options. And for Burrow and company, it was just business as usual with Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, Tyler Boyd. They were having fantastic games all around in Orchard Park. That's basically what it was. Yeah, that they were. Casey, I feel like the voice is kind of uh, going away a little bit. Uh, somewhat. The, the the rush, you know. Yeah, that rush. That definitely yeah. took it out. The Cowboys got rushed. You're yelling into the mic. I think that, that took away. Of, we're on the home stretch. 18 minutes. <laughs> you got this. You got, got this. plenty of water left in my water bottle. <laughs> You've been drinking go. water throughout the whole show. You got yes, this. Yes, I was. <laughs> we'll, we'll make it. We'll make it. But I was very shocked by this Bengals and Bills result. Because the Bills were my pick to win the Super Bowl this year. Really unfortunate. I just mine too, yeah. Yeah, I just cannot figure out how to pick these teams in the NFL. I mean, my record for NFL pickums tracked on Twitter every single week at WZIP Sports is terrible. I'm yeah. so bad at this, and now I'm tied with Alex Henry for last place. It's become that bad. Casey, I believe you're right up there. I think you're tied for second or third. I know Logan Congrove is still leading the pack. And I actually kind of went with Logan Congrove's picks this week. I hate to say it. He's hot. I'm not. Hopefully I can get these these picks right today. But the Bills were my Super Bowl winner. They did lose last week to the Bengals. Bills, I just don't think they can keep on getting away with not having a run game. They couldn't get away with it against the Bengals. They couldn't get away with it the year before. I don't. They need to fix their run game to make it further. I think that is the one thing about this team that is weak. They had 64 yards on the ground against the Bengals in a blizzard at home in a playoff game. That's unacceptable yeah. if you're yeah. the Buffalo Bills. You need a primary back. And if you look at the Bengals, of course it's Joe Burrow. Of course it's Jamar Chase. But Joe Mixon isn't a bad piece in the backfield, right? No. And you saw right. what he did against mm-hmm. the Bills in that Blizzard game on the road in a playoff game. Joe Mixon, 20 carries, 105 yards, and a touchdown on the ground. That was not apparent for the Buffalo Bills in that divisional round playoff game. And if you're the Bills, that is the one thing that you have to focus on and stress going forward. 
clearly their biggest issue. And speaking of issues, I know a lot of people nowadays, or at least this week, have turned on the Bengals. They have an issue with the Bengals. I put this in our outline. I don't know if you guys got the context, but I'll give it to you right now along with our listeners. This whole issue with the Bengals is all about what the Cincinnati mayor had to say. So if you uh. missed the statement, it was about a minute thing. It was just a joke. The whole thing was a meme. He was going off. Some people thought it was lame. I'm sure Cincinnati fans thought it was the most legendary thing they've ever heard, right? But in this clip, Cincinnati mayor, you know, he mentioned how Joe Burrow was 3-0 and against the Chiefs. He called Arrowhead Burrowhead, that the Bengals are traveling to Burrowhead this yeah. Sunday to play the Chiefs. He said Joe Burrow is Patrick Mahomes' father, that Joe Burrow needs to take a paternity test. Like, all these things said by the Cincinnati mayor. And I don't know why, but everybody in Cleveland has a fit with this. I don't understand it. To me, this is a fire that was lit under the Chiefs that did not need to be ignited, right? No. Like, the Chiefs don't need any more momentum coming into this game than they already have. The Cincinnati mayor gave them more momentum by yes, giving this release. Did. But as Cleveland fans, why are we so upset about this? Like, who cares? Who ca- I think Burrowhead is kind of funny. I think the paternity test joke was, okay, we've heard that one before. Throw that away, whatever. But he is 3-0 against the Chiefs. I think Burrowhead, it's kind of funny. Yeah. What do you guys... Am I making too big of a deal out of this, or are the other people making too big of a deal out of this, saying, you know, it's it's too much? I think it's not too much if Cincinnati can go out and win this game. But this kind of gives me the vibe of when the Browns were in the playoffs and Juju Smith-Schuster was like, Browns is the Browns. I think it's going to, like, it could ignite Kansas City, and now you, let's say you play them today and you get blown out. You lose, like, 30-7. to Well, then it looks terrible. But now you go out and you beat the Chiefs, let's say. Everyone forgets about this in the Super Bowl. Yeah, there's a reason why I don't trash talk before any rivalry right, that's, games. Yeah. You save the trash talking for after the game. That mm-hmm. way it's kind of justified. But this one, the game hasn't even been played yet. Yes, I know the yes, I know the Bengals have been impressive over the Chiefs as of late, but why would you post this cringe where the Chiefs already have momentum and looking for revenge? And statistically, I just don't get it. and statistically, you would think that the Chiefs would win by now. They haven't beaten the Bengals yet, and they're talented enough to you would think would eventually beat them. And yeah, be the one at home. Patrick Mahomes and company cannot get over the hump that is the Cincinnati Bengals, whether that be in Cincy or at home at Burrowhead, as <laughs> the Cincinnati fans are calling it. I just don't have a problem with it. Yeah, I, I don't, don't understand a- why it's a big deal. I don't understand why people are turning on Joe Burrow and turning on the Cincinnati Bengals because the Cincinnati mayor came out in a statement and said, Burrowhead, yeah, paternity the- test, 3-0. and Like, what's the big deal? Am I missing yeah, something here? the only here? problem I have with that is that it was before the game and not after the game. You wait until after the game to post something like that. I think a lot of us Browns fans are just sour that we're, that we're not in the playoffs. Exactly. That's what it rival. is. And it's just, I feel like Cincinnati is everything we wanted to be this season. Exactly. To be honest, we're, we're jealous. Right. That's what it is. Browns fans, we're just jealous of where the Cincinnati Bengals are with their success. Especially because at the start of the season, everyone's like, Cincinnati's a fraud. Browns coming for the division. Never right. happened. Yeah. Never happened. And so, I was one on these airwaves, even talking before the season started about the Cleveland Browns, saying that, you know, a six. Mediocre. You know, like, 
a six-win season could actually happen. Like right. a six to ten-win season, that is our realistic, you know, what's going to happen this season. And other people yeah. on this radio station were saying 12, 14, <laughs> knowing Deshaun Watson was going to be out for the first half and then some of the season. Yeah, so I, I didn't I never understood that, but I just think Browns fans are so jealous and almost okay with mediocrity at this point where this is what we react to and now we're against the Bengals. To me they're still an Ohio team with a very likable quarterback in Joe Burrow and I'm on team who day all day. Give me the Bengals. I'm not picking the Bengals today. That was a little spoiler for you. <laughs> but I'm sure going to be rooting for them tonight. That's my stake on it. What do you got? Like, is Joe Burrow in the Bengals now the villain here in the NFL playoffs? Well, I don't really see the Bengals as a villain. I just see the mayor as a villain now. But sure. Now the but now the mayor has just put a lot of pressure now on the Bengals. They got to back up his trash talk, and I they do have the team to do it. Like I mentioned earlier, Burrow, Mixon, Boyd. T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, and even Samaje P. Ryan. You gotta watch out for him as well. And the defense did show that they can they can compete with high powered offenses like the Bills. They've done it against the Chiefs constantly. And I think it might happen again. I'm hoping for a good AFC championship game. I'm hoping for one. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I don't think it makes them the villain, and yeah, I'm hoping for a good game as well. Yeah, I think we're in store for a great AFC title game today at 6.30 p.m. between the Bengals and the Chiefs. And if you're the Chiefs, I mean, you have to win this game. Girls, that to. stadium is going to be Burrowhead for as long as Joe Burrow plays in the NFL, right? Yep. Yes. Like, that stadium is not going to be known as Arrowhead for much longer if the Chiefs can't get it done today. Uh, let's let's talk about these games today, and I guess we'll start with the Bengals and Chiefs since we're on the topic of that game. Break it down for me. We'll save the prediction, but what do you guys think and expect to happen in today's game? I ex- oh, Go ahead, sorry. Yeah, sorry about that, Devin. I expect this to be back and forth, back and forth, because once again, you got two high-powered offenses and two very elite defenses. I t- already talked about the Bengals' offense, but the Chiefs' offense with Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Isaiah Pacheco, Isaiah Pacheco, Jerry McKinnon, they ha- Kadarius Tony, they have a lot of weapons for Patrick Mahomes to throw to, and Juju Smith-Schuster as well. Uh, why'd you have to leave Pittsburgh? But Kansas you City- want him? What you want him right now? I don't. Well. It was gonna be, it was gonna be tough either way, whether he left or not. Okay. Anyways, fair. and Kansas City does have a really good defense with Frank Clark and the defensive line breathing down QB's necks left and right. It's gonna be absolutely incredible. And the Bengals defense, as I mentioned, they're able to compete with high-powered offenses. I expect this to be a very close game. I can see this going to overtime again. We'll see. Yeah, that'd be very entertaining. Maybe we'll see the first of the new rule. Yeah, I would love to see it. Devin, what do you think about this game today? Yeah, uh, I think it's going to be back and forth like Casey was saying. I think it's going to be interesting to see Mahomes dealing with that injury and maybe maybe if he can even go the full game. But, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a really close game. Yeah, and we've seen Chad Henney win playoff yeah, games in the past. Henny. Yeah, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm saying. I think if he comes in, it might still be very interesting. Yeah, certainly. 
I think the Chiefs are going to struggle to score against the Bengals' defense. At first, at least, right? At first, I think they, they'll struggle. But I imagine that this game is going to come down to one score, potentially a final scoring drive. And the Chiefs, to me, are just slightly more proven. I think they have more motivation now than ever to beat the Bengals like we talked about. And my prediction, I know I'm jumping the gun here, but give me Mahomes at home today to win. I already said I wasn't picking the Bengals. That means I'm picking the Chiefs. Give me Kansas City at Arrowhead today beating Cincinnati. Give me your predictions, guys. What do you think is going to happen today? I'm going with the Bengals. I think... uh like, like we said, Joe Burrow has dominated Mahomes. Mahomes is playing through injury. And I think Cincinnati has a lot of motivation to get back to the Super Bowl and potentially bring a ring to Cincinnati. Yeah, you can definitely see both of these teams lifting the Lombardi Trophy in Glendale. I think this is going to be a very good game. But I think the Bengals do win it again. It's going to be Burrowhead once again. They're, it's going to be 4-0 now for Burrow as a starter against Mahomes. But I can see this going either way. I could totally yep. see it. Yeah, I'm taking. I'm the lone one on these airwaves today, at least, taking the Chiefs. You'll see all of the crew here at WZIP Sports Predictions on our Twitter page, at WZIP Sports, at the top of the hour. Check in, see who everybody picked, and let us know in that, that tweet as well who you're picking today in the AFC and NFC title games. Let's go to the NFC title game, though. It's 49ers at Eagles at 3 p.m. today. Thoughts on the game and your predictions, gentlemen? Uh I think we're going to see Purdy struggle. I think the pressure might get to him. He hasn't lost yet, but he's been very mid, as you were talking about earlier in the show, Jake. And I think mm-hmm. I think we're just going to see him struggle against that the Eagles defense, and I can see the Eagles walking away with this one with a win into the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's definitely going to be another good game as well. Of course, of course, on the 49ers side, you got Brock Purdy, Brandon Ayuk, Christian McCaffrey, and then Elijah Mitchell, and of course, the guy I picked first in the Fantasy Football League, Debo Samuel. I picked him for a reason. He's been one of the more explosive players on this 49ers offense. And then the defense, they were able to stop the Dallas, they were able to stop the Dallas Cowboys last week when it mattered the most. Of course, on that boneheaded play that should not have been called. But then again, they did play well before this. And their only mistake was giving up that one touchdown to Dalton Schultz. Other than that, they did very well. They even got two interceptions off of Dak. I think they'll do it again against Jalen Hurts. But it's definitely going to be close. And the Philadelphia Eagles, they have three guys averaging over. They have three guys in double-digit sacks. And that's going to be a tough assignment for Brock Purdy. I know Cowboys fans saying they never face a defense like this. Well, guess what? Brock Purdy never faced a defense like this. Now you can legitimately, yeah. legitimately say that. And it's worth mentioning, sorry to cut you off, but Christian McCaffrey is also playing through a uh, calf injury. Yeah. He, I and think even he then, only practiced on Thursday. Yeah, and even then he did show that he's able to play with, despite right. those injuries. And, of course, the Eagles offense with Jalen Hurts, Miles Sanders, Devonta Smith, Boston Scott. Those are four big names you're going to have to watch out for. I could see both of these teams taking this matchup, but I give me the 49ers over the Eagles. Interesting. So, Dev, you have the Eagles winning. Casey, you have the 49ers winning. I've been 
between both teams. I've thought the 49ers have, are going to win at certain points. I've thought the Eagles are going to win at certain points this entire week. I've been back and forth. But I trust Jalen Hurts and the Eagles' offense to overpower the 49ers' tough defense more than I trust Brock Purdy scoring enough points behind his defense's performance. Brock Purdy, you mentioned it, Devin. His performance has been good so far, kind of mid, but going on the road against a tough Eagles defense in the NFC title game, I think the 49ers' run has been fantastic, but I think it ends today against the Eagles. With that being said, though, it is time for Around the Rue, where we debate around the table and bring it to you via our Twitter page at WZIP Sports. And this one kind of correlates to last week, because last week we asked you, we asked you who's going to win Super Bowl 57. 56% of you voted other. 22% of you voted the Bills. I was one of those. And then 11% of you voted for the Chiefs and 49ers, respectively. So today, we want to know what team you're committed to ahead of today's title game. So we're running this question back, especially since, again, I I picked the Bills last week. Who's going to win Super Bowl 57? Four options. Chiefs, Bengals, Niners, Eagles. Dev, go. Eagles. Wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah, I could definitely see all four of these teams winning in Glendale, Mm -hmm. but I still have the 49ers as my pick going into the playoffs, and I'm sticking with it this year. I'm sticking with the Niners. The tweet is posted on WZIP Sports. Head over to the poll, vote, comment why you think that team is going to go on to win Super Bowl 57. For me, I'm going with the Chiefs. I think whichever team wins... The AFC title game today is going to win the Super Bowl. I think either the Bengals or the Chiefs are going to beat whoever represents the NFC. So 49ers and Eagles out of you guys, very surprising to me. But I think the Chiefs get it done today, as I mentioned, and then they go on and prove that they are the powerhouse in the AFC and go on to win the Super Bowl. Those are our predictions here at WZIP Sports. Of course, just the three of ours. But we want your opinion. Go to Twitter right now at WZIP Sports. Vote in the poll. Let us know who you're picking to win Super Bowl 57. All right, that's going to do it for the January 29th edition of Sports Power Talk. We dove deep into both the men's and women's Zips basketball teams. Also, we talked about the NBA All-Star game, the Cavs, and, of course, our latest discussion of the NFL playoffs. Any last thoughts on today's show? Um, like I said, I just think the Eagles are going to win the Super Bowl, and we'll see if, how they do uh, against the 49ers today. Just be thankful I had that sore throat, because I would have been yelling a lot louder during that Cowboys rush. <laughs> that Cowboys rush was something else, Casey. I appreciate you for that. Uh, for me, give me Burrowhead all day long. I'm not picking the Chiefs, but I'm rolling with who day all day. For me... Or for more of all of us here at WZIP Sports, check out our Twitter page at WZIP Sports for daily Monday through Friday sports updates and announcements on new podcast drops. Joining me on today's show were... Devin Lucas. I'm Casey Rush. My name is Jake Murin. Be kind to one another, Akron, and Sports Power Talk. We'll be back same time and place next week on 881 WZIP.